welcome to Highlight Church. Uh, let's show some love for our first-time guest, everybody. Thank you all for joining us. It is our honor to have you uh, this morning. Um, also, hey, I, I just want to take a few seconds to honor our superheroes. We, we call our volunteers superheroes because everyone has gifts and talents, and uh, we believe that God has endowed you with these gifts and talents to serve his kingdom. And uh, this church wouldn't be a church without you. This, this wouldn't happen. You waking up at 5.30 a.m., 6 a.m., getting here uh, when it's like negative 10 outside. Um, this church would not happen had it not, had it not been for your sacrifice, your giving, your time put in, your thought process. Um, a lot of you have been here since our first interest meeting back on June 25th, 2016. And Come on out. Praise, praise him. Praise him. Clap it up for yourself. Uh, you guys are doing big things, and we thank you. There is more to come. There is definitely more to come, um, and we are excited about it. Um, without getting into who we are as a church, just know that we are four and a half months young, so we're still trying to figure this thing out, but uh, I think we're doing pretty good out there. Um, we're currently in a series entitled I Promise. I Promise. And uh, this series is about studying the character of God and how God just loves to fulfill his goodness and his faithfulness in our lives. We're going to study the character of God. I'm not going to give you an end date. I'm not going to give you an end week because I just think you should come. I think you should come every, every Sunday. I think you should come and open up your hearts. And I believe that if you would give God the next blah, 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 weeks, whatever the number is, that he's going to change your life. He's going to do something great in your hearts. He's going to do something amazing in your faith. And uh, he's going to take you up. He's going to increase you. He's going to strengthen you. He's going to empower you. He's going to challenge you. He's going to do all that stuff. Um, So let's get into it. Um, I promise, week number two. You know, we all, we all have starts and beginnings. Does anyone like beginnings? Okay. Does anyone like endings? I guess, I guess it, it all kind of, it, it, it depends on what it is, right? Um, we, some of us like starts, you know, uh, the birth of a new child. Um, certainly it was exciting for me when our baby boy came into the world. Uh, a new job, a new job especially when you've been on the job hunt. Um, A brand new relationship. Um, Those are vibrant at first. Infatuation is real, uh, and then it becomes real. Uh, A raise in pay. Your first Friday that you finally see that that new increase, that percentage. Um, Ends that we like. We like graduation. We love to get through uh, that long journey for some of us, it takes us 20 years to get a bachelor's. For others of us, it takes us the normal four or three if you got all your credits, your extra credits in high school. Uh, you're excellent. Um, we, like, uh, we like to end job searches because we finally found that job. Uh, we, how many of us like to end and be debt-free one day? Come on now. I preach that all day right now. Let's go to debt free, chapter one, verse three. Debt free. Um, we like being debt free, and uh, we like to end our search for a church. 
How many of us like that? We got a few superheroes in here. All right. All right. I think we like debt free better. Um, Starts that we don't like. Uh, Mondays. We'd agree. Mondays. Starts we don't like. Uh, First day away from a loved one where you have a business trip or you have to go to school for a few weeks or a few months or whatever. Um, You're going to miss your loved ones. Uh, Starts that we don't like. Uh, Diagnosis of terminal illness. Um, That's a brand new start. Uh, You're going to have to frequent doctor's visits and take medications and all this nonsense. Um, We don't like those starts. Um, Ends that we don't like. We don't like the end of Sunday because it means Monday is going to start, correct? Um, I'm just kind of going through my list here. Uh, The loss of a loved one. That's never a good ending uh, unless that person is suffering. It doesn't make it easy, but uh, certainly they can rest in peace. At least that's our hope. And uh, whenever you get fired or laid off from a job, not always the, the, the easiest thing. So there's a start to a thing. There's the ending of a thing. And then between there, there's the present. There's the present. There's right now, there's currently what's going on, what's happening right now. And currently in, in the present, some of us are, we're, in, we're on mountaintops. Some of us, there's nothing that can touch us. We're Teflon Dons. You shoot a bullet, it's going to bounce off. Um, for some of us, we're in the valley low. Nothing just seems to be coming together. For others of us, we're right in the in-between. It's not all good, but it's not all bad. What I love about scriptures is that we find a God who promises that no matter where you are, he promises to meet you where you are in your current season, right where you are. We see it time and time again with different characters of the Bible, real people who actually lived in history. God promises to meet you where you are. And in essence, today, that's the title of our sermon. God promises to meet you where you are. I want to take us to the gospel according to John chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles or your phones, go ahead and open that up. No matter where you are, God promises to meet you where you are. We're going to study about God's character. You can start my clock. I don't know if we, um, if it started. I don't want to hold us too long today. You know, preachers get long-winded. That's what my dad used to say. Preachers are long-winded. They'll hold you if you don't uh, interrupt them. I Promise is a series about the character of God. We discussed that earlier. And once we become aware of the promises of God, we can start to live in faith and obedience and expect to receive his faithfulness. So John chapter 1, we're going to go to verse 43. And it reads here, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come follow me. That rhymes. Philip was from, Beth- I almost said Bethesda, Bethsaida, so used to it, right? Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathaniel. For the sakes of timing, I'm going to call him Nathan or Nate. We should take a vote, but this is church. I don't have time to give you people out there a vote. Um, so we're going to call him Nathan. Um, and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Verse 46, Nazareth, exclaimed Nathan, can anything good come from Nazareth? 
Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. Nathan asked, how do you know about me? Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathan said, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I've seen you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than this. He said, I tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the son of man, the one who is in fact the stairway between heaven and earth. Are we ready? Ready for this promise? This is the promise to meet you where you are. Let's pray. Father, we love you. God, open our hearts. Allow me to decrease that you may increase. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Jesus has just started his ministry. He's going out to recruit, uh, you know, don't be offended, ladies, primarily men um, to push his kingdom forward. Now, you can check Luke chapter 8. There were probably more women a part of Jesus's ministry than men when he was on earth. They financed his ministry. They led him worship. They pushed, they pushed that thing forward. But he was in search of, of men, regular people, people who were broken, um, sinful, uh, bad decisions, fishermen, tax collectors, prostitutes, the whole nine. He was just searching for anyone to say yes, anyone that wanted to take the ride of a lifetime, anyone that wanted to be used, he chose, he sought after. And so um, I was reading a book by an amazing theologian, and it, and it detailed all of the disciples' characteristics, their raw material. There was something about Philip in history. He was the type of man that would go and get you. He, he, was, he was a go-getter. So Jesus found Philip knowing that he would go and find Nathan right where he was in his current season. And so he finds Philip. Uh, uh, Nathan finds Nathan, uh, Philip finds Nathaniel, and the rest is pretty much history. He finds him in his current place under a fig tree, under a fig tree. And so um, he's about to invite him into this journey of a lifetime. I want to give you three powerful things about God's promise to meet you where you are. Three powerful truths about God's promise to meet you right now in your current season where you are. Point number one is this. Man, the weather is amazing outside, isn't it? How many take a vote on Chile? I'm from Florida. It is cold. Some of, some of you would ask, you know, why did you guys even move here? It's hot all the time in Florida. It's quite annoying. They don't pay as well either. Sorry. Did I just say that? I'm a pastor. Anyway, point number one, God knows where you are. God knows where you are. John 1, says this, how do you know about me? Jesus said, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Um, I remember when we, we, we got pregnant and we went to the doctor and I looked at the sonogram and I saw my, my baby boy, Judah. I, I saw him. I saw him. You know, the, the nurse didn't even have to show me the, the little, you know, that told me he was a boy. You saw it. Come on. We're going to take our church face off today. Any of you who came in here holy. 
This is a relatable place. Church faces off. You ready? Going to take our Muslim faces, our, our Hindu faces, all this religious stuff. It has to go. We're in a real church with real people. We talk real things. We make real jokes. Let's get an amen for that. Are we ready to go? Praise God. Now we can talk. Face off. Kick it. And so I saw him and I knew him. I knew it was him. I knew what we were going to name him. I saw him before he saw him. I knew him before he knew him. Um, I knew his gender before he knew his gender. I knew his name before he knows his name. I know where he is right now. His name is Judah Elisha Redding. He was born October 14, 2014, around uh, 8.37 a.m. in the morning. I know currently where he is. He is with our HL Kids team in the nursery department. I knew him before he knew him. I know him before he knows himself. I know where he's at. He has no idea where he's at. He just trusts where he's at. And so Jesus says, Nathan, I I saw you under the fig tree. I saw you under the fig tree. Uh, Jewish rabbis, the phrase under a fig tree means they would have equated it with meditation of scripture. So if you found a man or a woman under a fig tree in Jesus's time, you would have understood that they were, they were probably meditating, praying, thinking about life, thinking about God um, under the fig tree. They were meditating on scripture. I'm going to kind of explain to you why Jesus even mentions that the, the stairway to heaven and earth and all this stuff, because it was probably what Nathaniel was meditating on from Genesis 28 about Jacob having a dream. We'll talk about that later. But um, he finds him under a fig tree. And we all have those places that we go to, right? We, we all have those places of, of meditation and quiet time, be it our room or our bathroom or our cars, wherever we may end up going, um, where we be at church, where we go to meditate, we go to pray, whoever we're praying to. But we pray because we are in need. We pray because... we. We're looking for the source. We pray in light of our limitations. Are you following me? You're going to have to follow me today. We pray in light of our limitations, in light of our struggles, in light of what we don't have, in light of what we can't have. We need a a higher, a greater, a stronger source for our prayers. And I believe that Nathaniel was oftentimes at this tree, this was a familiar place for Nathaniel, a familiar physical place, but more in a spiritual sense, we oftentimes go to a familiar place in our thinking and within our emotions. We, we go to that place where we, we hold on to the limitations, where we think about what we can't have, who we can't be with, what we didn't accomplish, what we don't have, what we should have, but we just don't have. It was actually a place of limitation. Jesus says, I saw you under the fig tree. And you're not just meditating on God. It's not just for God's goodness. This is not just a place of refuge. This is actually a place, Nathaniel, that you go to, I don't know, be it every Saturday or every day of the week. This is actually a place that you go to where you ponder on your limitations. You process the don'ts. In the cans. And I wish I could and I wish I should. So as a result, you have family, 
you have friends, you have work, and you have your fig tree. Family, friends, work, and fig tree where you go to pray, to meditate, but to process your limitations. And Jesus says, I see you where you are. I I see you where you are. You begin to hold on to these limitations so much, Nathaniel, that you've become stagnant in your life. It's just a routine, and I know exactly where you are. I know what you're thinking, and I know what you're up against. He came to a realization about his ceilings in life. We all have ceilings, right? Am I the only one in here? We all have things that we wish we could accomplish, be it money, be it being with a certain person, be it a certain status in life, be it a a degree or a certain level of influence. We wish that a certain situation would just dissipate and, and detonate and destroy itself. We all have limits. And because of these limits, because we oftentimes go to this place in our mind, it can cause us to become stagnant in certain areas. But I want to encourage you that Jesus is fully aware of what you're thinking, what you're up against, and where you are. Matter of fact, Psalm 139, 1 through 4 says this, O Lord, you have examined my heart, and you know everything about me. You know when I sit down or when I stand up. You, you know my thoughts even when I am far away. You see me when I travel and when I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I am going to say before I say it. Lord. So number one, from a theological perspective, just to kind of teach a little bit here, we're talking about the omniscience of God. God is all-knowing. He knows who you are. He knew when you would be conceived. He knew the date you would be born. He, know the date, he knows the date that you're going to die. He knows the amount of change that's in your pocket right now. He knows how much money is in your purse. He knows how much money is in your wallet. He knows where your children are right now. He knows when your grandchildren are going to be born. He knows the seat that you're sitting in. He knows the number of the grains of hair, if you have hair, on your head or on your face. He knows the grains of the sands of the seashore. He knows everything about you. He knows what you think. He knows what you say before you're going to say it. He knows what you're going to do next Friday. He knows where you're going to be next Saturday night. He knows what you're going to be drinking and what you're going to be thinking. He knows what you're going to be eating. God knows everything about you. He knows you're coming and you're going. He knows when you're going to quit your job. He knows when you're going to cheat on your wife. He knows when you're going to cheat on your husband. He knows when you're going to ask for forgiveness. He knows the next time you're going to come back to him and repent of your sins. He knows. We're dealing with the omniscience of God. I I know where you are, Nathaniel. I see you. Then we deal with the omnipresence of God. Everywhere at all times. He was there when you were born. He was there when you were conceived. In whatever way you were conceived, he was there. He's called the Holy Spirit. He's omnipresent. He's right here right now with me on this stage. He's given me strength. As I know we're coming into agreement by faith. As a man, I'm looking at your face. I know you hear me, but it's tough out there. So I need him to strengthen me. He's right here on this stage with me. He's in that seat with you. He's omnipresent. 
He's in the kids' room with your kids. He's with you at work. He's everywhere at all times. He was there when that person abused you as a child. He was there when you were drunk outside of your mind. He was there when you were strung out on drugs. He was there when you were in the bed of uh, fornication. He was there. He's still there. He's all loving. He's all present. He's all knowing. He's all gracious. He's all good. He's there. He's there. So he says, I know where you are. He is aware of your thoughts, your doubts, your concerns, your mistakes. He is aware of your addictions. He's aware of your finances. He's aware of your debt. He knows where you are. And this is his promise. His promise is his presence. His promise is not to leave you in that place where you are. His promise is his presence. There's a difference from a a theological standpoint from his omnipresence, meaning he's everywhere at all times. There's a difference in his omnipresence versus his manifest presence. So, okay, let's talk about this. Omnipresent. I'm not omnipresent, but we can say that we are in this school, right? But our manifest presence is in this cafeteria. There's a difference. God can be here, but he may be manifesting himself right now in the kids department. He may have nothing to do with this right now. He wants his manifest presence in your life, and he promises not to leave you where you are, but to meet you right there. He's a good God, and he promises his presence. Point number two, this is a straight shooter. God knows where you can go. The reason he promises to meet you where you are is because he knows where you can go. How many of us know that you were created to go further than where you currently are? All right. You were created to go further. Um, As a matter of fact, in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says that God was created in the image of man. And uh, one of the words there used in the Hebrew for image is Elohim. Um, It means master of forces. It means that you were created to take territory and dominion, and, uh, and you have authority in Jesus' name. You can, you can speak things, and they happen. So the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So it all depends on what you're speaking throughout your week. Eventually, that's what's going to manifest. Life and death are in the power of the tongue, and, the, and those that love the food shall, shall eat thereof. Meaning, if I want to partake of something in my life, I have to speak it in order for it to manifest. And so um, you were created to multiply. You were created to overcome. God, God created you to, to increase. Um, you know, cars and, and boats and planes, they have engines and transmissions and wings and wheels. They were never created to, to stay where they were, right? They, they got things built on the inside of them. Um, so you don't have to stay where you are. The promise of God is to meet you where you are. He has no intentions to leave you where you are. Um, It's not enough for him to just know where you are. It's not enough for God to be informed about where you are. He wants to be involved and actively engaged where you are. And whenever God becomes involved in your life, you cannot stay put. You have no choice but to 
to advance. You have no choice but to move forward. You have no choice but to take territory. You have no choice but to break addictions. You have no choice but to break discouragement and negativity. When God comes into your life, you break free. I know we, we're new. We're four month, four and a half months young. Been doing a lot of research about the area, and um, you know, for the first, just pause for the calls. We got enough time. Um, for the first uh, two two and a half months, I wonder, man, why don't people clap a lot in Maryland? <laughs> and, and the Lord revealed to me, he's, look, you know, it's been a lot of religion that people have experienced. It's been a lot of extreme Pentecostal stuff that a lot of it has nothing to do with God. And it's been a lot of very conservative. We just come to church and we chill. And God is in the middle of that. There's a need to respond to the message. Because when you clap, when you say amen, you're saying be it so in my life. That's what amen means in, in the Greek. Let it be so in my life. So when you respond... God is moving in your heart. And uh, we're, we're going to walk through that together. We're, we're here. I, we were talking the other week about how uh, I know at least my wife and I, we've made a covenant with this area, with this region. Uh, we moved here from Florida in May. We're going to die here. So if God is going to have us here another 50 years, it's going to be a long road of, of teaching us how to respond, how to worship, and just entering into the presence of God. Yeah. So point number two, God knows where you are. He says this. In verse 47, Jesus says, now, um, as they approach, he said, now, here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. First of all, if I'm Nathan, I'd have said, you know, number one, <laughs> thank you for the, thank you for the compliment. I'll take that. But, um. Phil, Phil, this 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 guy's crazy. Now, before I got here, can anything good come from Nazareth? This guy doesn't know me. He's calling me a man of complete integrity. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Um. Obviously, this this isn't integrous at all. Um, in Jewish society. Jewish men, back in Jesus' day, I don't know about today, uh, back in Jesus' day, they were known to be deceitful, prejudiced, and biased. And so if, if I'm from this part of town and you're from this part of town, even though we're Jewish, um, I, I don't want to associate with you. You're, you're the dirty. You're, you're from Nazareth. But I'm, I'm up here. And so this, is, this explains Nathan's response to Philip when he says this this Messiah, this Savior, the guy that we've been looking for, the leader that we need, not this military, political dude that's going to give us riches and physical freedom. Like, you can have all the physical freedom you want. It's not what you need. You need a soul Savior. You need a sin forgiver. You need someone that's going to die for your sins. We, we found him. And he said, can anything good come, come from Nazareth? So we see his prejudice side, his bias side. What do we see here? We see his bad side. The word integrity, in essence, means someone that does what is right even when no one is watching. Clearly, he fails this test. Stay with me. Point number two. 
God knows where you can go. Clearly, Nathan fails this test. He says that this is a man from Nazareth. What good can come from him? And Jesus then meets him with this encouraging, uplifting response when he first meets him. Um, This represents the not-so-good side of Nathan. This is not the integrous side of Nathan. That this is, we all have a bad side, right? Would you all agree? There, there's, there's some laziness there. there. There's bitterness. There's unforgiveness. Um, there's the capacity to lie, to be undependable. We, we all have this, this bad side to us. But Jesus says this. He says, I know that's how you act, but that's not who you truly are. That's not who I created you to be. I know that's what you do, but that's not you. Well, you know, I'm, I'm depressed, and I deal with this, and this is my struggle. I see that. I know where you are, but you don't have to stay stuck there. Well, you know, I got to, we can clap that up, Sam. Sam will say amen. That, can we join her in that? We're, we're all, we're all, we're all messed up, but. When Jesus meets this guy, he says, I know that's how you are, but that's not who you are. And this is the side of Nathan that keeps him in the same place, that keeps him returning under the fig tree. I wonder what is your fig tree? I know my fig tree, but this is the side of Nathan that was revealed to Philip that continues to keep him stagnant. And it's not... A necessarily a physical sin issue it's a character issue as we can see Nathaniel's issue is what an issue of integrity I don't know if this one's connecting this one may be too deep I don't know if this message is making sense Jesus says that you're a complete man of complete integrity and Nathaniel's very issue is integrity He talks about a man that he doesn't even know behind his back. He has integrity issues. It's a character thing. This is the thing that's keeping you under your fig tree. And he says, I know that's who you are, but that's not how you are. You may doubt, but you're not a doubter. You may have failed, but you're not a failure. Psalm 139, 13 through 14, the message version says this. It says, oh, yes, you shaped me first inside, then out. You formed me in my mother's womb. I thank you, high God, your breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously, marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. You're breathtaking. Body and soul, I am marvelously made. I worship in adoration. What a creation. When God created you, he put greatness on the inside of you. When God created you, he put a dreamer, he put a visionary, he put a leader, he put someone that's going to change the world. He put greatness on the inside of you. So he's not talking to Nathan about how he is. He's talking to Nathan about who he truly is. Something that Nathan is not aware of yet until he actually becomes a believer of Christ. You don't know who you truly are until you've accurately identified who Jesus is in your life. You won't know it 
until you've accurately identified who Jesus is in your life. He says, you're a man of complete integrity. There's doing what's right when no one is watching. Complete integrity. Doing what's right. In essence, let me translate Jesus. There is something so right about you. There is something so right about you. Christian, Jason, Chow, Bobby, Tony Montana, second row to my left. There is something so right about you. You're so intelligent. You're so beautiful. You're so delivered. You're so free. You're so anointed. You're so powerful. You're so strong. You're so amazing because I created you and I know what's on the inside of you. And you're not staying where you are. God says, I promise to meet you in the place of potential because your potential, what's on the inside, personifies who you truly are and how far you can truly go. So, so Nathan, I'm not talking to the masked you. I'm talking to your potential. Your potential the thing that I created you with, the thing that I put on the inside, no matter where you are, it's what's going to get you beyond the place that you're currently in. It's what's on the inside. You were created in the image of God, Elohim. You're the master of forces. No matter where you are, no matter what your fig tree is, you will prevail. You will get through. You are free. Your latter days shall be greater than your former days. Praise God. Point number three. I like this because we're almost out of here. God knows the great things he can do in your life. The reason he wants to meet you where you are. God has met you in your hearts this morning. I I know it. I want to comfort you with this. God knows the great things that he plans to do in your life or that he can do in your life. John 1, 49 through 51 says this. Then Nathan exclaimed, Rabbi, man, you know me. You know where I am. You created me. You were there. Even though I blamed you for everything, you were there. What good can come from it? You are the son of God, aren't you? <laughs> yeah, that's me. <laughs> Try to tell you. You are the son of God, king of Israel. Jesus asked him. I love Jesus. Like He, he doesn't even acknowledge it. Jesus is a G. He's like, yeah, I know who I am, but I, I want to keep going. Like Jesus always wants to be on to the next thing. Yeah. Do you believe this is just, do you believe this just because I told you? That's easy to me. I've seen you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than this. Now he's going to play mind games because we told you earlier, right, that in Jewish history, under the fig tree means meditation on scripture. So I know what you're thinking. I know where you are. And he says this. He says, 
Then he said, I tell you the truth, you will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. For, so as, as a reader, this makes no sense to me. You're trying to gather men to, because you're going to die in three years. They need to carry on your message. The very reason we're sitting in here 2,000 plus years later what does this have anything to do with meeting this God? And so Jesus is hitting on what Nathan is thinking about and meditating about. In Genesis 28, which is kind of interesting, you have Jacob, who is um, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Abraham is the father of our faith. He's the primary reason we're here. Isaac was the promise, not Ishmael. Isaac has Jacob. Jacob is in his prime, but He's confused. He's going from a start to a finish. Follow me because we're ending here very soon. He's going from somewhere to somewhere because Jacob is deceitful. Jacob is a liar. Jacob is a swindler. As a matter of fact, that's what his name means. When Jacob was born, um, his his, uh, twin brother came out first. Jacob comes out grabbing Esau's heel. And so uh, his mother and, and, and father named him, name him Swindler. And so he's in the prime of his life. He's stolen his brother's birthright from Isaac. He inherits everything from Isaac by putting on this, some skin because his brother Esau was hairy. And he, daddy, it's me. Because Isaac was blind. He said, I bless you with the birthright. And Jacob said, <laughs> he left. And so now he's between places, but he's called by God, right? God loves him. He's with him. And he's, with, he's from one place to the next. I'll read Genesis 28. And what he does is he takes a stone. He's like, man, I'm, I'm tired. I'm tired of running. I'm tired of doubting. I'm tired of doing the same old, same old. I'm tired. Sometimes you get so tired, you will find anything to rest on. You will rest on a stone. That's, that's crazy. So he rests on a stone somewhere so uncomfortable. And God gives him a dream. The Old Testament God, Yahweh, before Jesus came. He gives him a dream, and jo- Joseph has a dream. Genesis 28, it says that he dreams of heaven, earth, and the stairway. Jacob's ladder. And he sees angels coming up and down. And he wakes up. And it's so funny how this story parallels to Nathan and Jesus. He wakes up and he says, I've been going to and fro. This person, that person. That place, that place. This thought, that thought. I'm tired. He wakes up. What was that? And his revelation from God was this. Surely I did not know that God was in this place. In what place? In what place? You're you're going to and fro. In what place? (laughs) What is Jacob telling us? Jacob is telling us that wherever we go, God goes. I promise to meet you where you are. And so Nathaniel is under the fig tree and he's pondering, what is, what was that about? Like, that was, he's thinking under the fig tree, like, that was amazing. Isn't it amazing that Nathan is one of our heroes of the scripture, but he actually had a hero. His name was Jacob. It tells us just how true and how real the word of God is, 
Because even Nathan, who was a historic man, was thinking about a historic figure named Jacob. And, and, and God meets Nathan where he is. And under this fig tree, he's thinking, what does this mean? So heaven, we're going to explain, heaven represents the presence of God. It's, it's everything that God has planned and stored up for your life. Everything he wants to do, everything he has promised to do is in heaven. Earth represents us and where we are. The latter, Jesus said, is me. The angels of God, it says in Hebrews, if you read the Bible, the angels of God administer the work, the plans, the goodness of God into our lives. They are assigned to our lives. The author of Hebrews tells us that. But we cannot get our access, his goodness, or his plans aside or apart from the latter. A lot of people are attempting to access the goodness of God through works, through good things, through good thoughts, through works. I, I, I volunteered here. I paid this here. I did this here. You cannot access the goodness of God through acts of social justice, through acts of righteousness. You cannot access it. It takes faith in Jesus Christ to access everything that God has for your life. It is then and only then will God begin to deliver his plans, his goodness, his will into your life is when you put complete and total trust in Jesus. So here, let's do it chronologically. He says that you are, in fact, the son of God. He said, great, because you believe it, now you're going to see greater things than this. I couldn't give you this promise if you didn't believe. And so in Jewish society, he didn't just believe he was the son of God. Watch this. That kind of belief, that kind of statement that Nathan made was a statement of life change. You are the son of God. Now I'm going to follow you. All right, let's slow down. Now, how do you access the plan of God? Number one, trust. 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 I, I, can, I can plan my son. I can have plans for my son. But if he doesn't trust me, I can't give him what I have in store. I got to trust with with my heart, with, with everything, with every fabric in my soul, I have to trust that Jesus has a plan for my singleness. He has a plan for my purity. He has a plan to redeem my relationship with my parents, if it so be his will. He has a plan to take me further than I've ever gone. He has a plan to redeem all my hurt. He has a plan to set me free from my struggles and my sins. He has a plan for my finances that if I put him first, if I would take on his plan, I would see margin in the years to come. Yeah. I never have to worry. He knows exactly where I am today. He has a plan, but what does it take? It takes trust. That's number one. Now, number two, when you truly trust somebody, you obey them. The word obedience means to step. So the trust access his savior part of Jesus Christ. A lot of people like to make Jesus savior. yes. You've taken away my sins, but you can't just have him be your savior and he not be your Lord. We have to deal with the lordship of Jesus where he is in control and he is sovereign over everything in your life. And when you trust and obey him, it is then and only then can all the goodness that God has in store start to come into your life in a very tangible and real way. 
this when you trust him. Jesus says this. It sounds like a guy I can trust. John 10.10. Going to go ahead and get the, the piano and the worship team on up here. John 10.10 says this. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. There's an enemy out there, if Jesus said it, it's true, who is out to rent everything that you have, your dreams, your focus, your passion. He wants you to drown. Jesus says that my purpose, my promise, is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Jesus says that my purpose, my promise, is to give them a rich and satisfying life, a rich, a life full of joy and significance and purpose. And anyone that would trust him would, in fact, experience these things. So final note here is Jesus says, I promise to meet you where you are, but I also promise not to leave you there. The promise to meet you where you are. So round this up. He sees Nathaniel, and he meets him where he is. And he says that because you've believed in me, because you've trusted in me, now everything that God has for you will be released into your life. And um, I haven't done a, a call to salvation in, I would say, about five weeks, and I think the Lord is moving this morning. And so uh, I believe that God has spoken to your heart. If this word blessed you, let's give it a hand clap. Praise God. Let's just bow our heads, church. I want to give someone the opportunity to put their trust in Jesus to receive salvation this morning. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that those that have put their life in Jesus Christ have become a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. God knows where you are. He was there when you were born. He's here today. He knows where he wants to take you, and he knows the good plans he has in store for your life. Let's pray, everybody. Um, on the count of three, if you'd like to receive salvation, the forgiveness of your sins, and a brand new start, if you'd like for heaven to be your destination when you pass away from this earth, if you've been raised in religion but you've never known Jesus, I want to give you this opportunity this morning to make him your Savior and your Lord. On the count of three, just a show of hands, everyone, let's keep our heads down, and then we're going to pray. Show of hands on the count of three, one, two, three. Three. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. You can lift your heads, church. Let's clap our hands. Come on, we can do better than that. We can do better. I'm not going to tell who, but we had three people give their hearts to Jesus this morning. Praise God. Church and the three of you that raised your hand, repeat after me. Father, we love you. 
Jesus, thank you for dying for my sins. Thank you for forgiving my sins. I let you into my heart. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, church. Hallelujah.